Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for tuning back in with us here today. Whether you are listening over at pathtozion.com or you're checking us out here on our YouTube channel, thank you for joining us. You can always reach out at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us um, about anything you hear on the program um, that is of concern or of interest. If you've got questions, comments, opinions, um, understanding towards what we may present, any of those things are always welcome um, via our Facebook page or here on YouTube comments and um, via the email address. Now, today we're going to talk about something that I titled Context Covenant Conditions, um, a brief challenge to what I just dubbed the, the grab-and-go approach to the Bible. And if, if you have been a long-time Christian, if you've been in church your whole life, or even only uh, a year or two for that matter, you have likely inherited the, the understanding and the way to go about reading and studying the Bible according to the grab-and-go principle. Um, and, so, and so what we're going to do, and I'll explain a little bit as we go here, um, this, this grab-and-go approach is where, briefly summarized, we read a Bible verse, or maybe two, and we just apply it to our lives or to someone else. Of course, if it's something bad or judgment, it's, it's for someone else. And if it's a blessing or something we deem as favorable, we apply it to ourselves. And this, this grab-and-go technique is, is very dangerous to our understanding um, for any one of us who want to study, study to show ourselves approved. And, and this is um, something that I believe the, the Christian majority really need some counsel towards. Um, I see it now as I peer back into my old understanding of, of how I would study and rightly divide the word of Elohim. Um, all the way back to, to when I taught youth groups or, or stood up in front of a, a church and congregation and would speak a sermon, if given the opportunity, um, how a lot of times, like, I would just mishandle and misappropriate the Bible. And, and, and this is something that a humble man can rightly hear and receive and say, you know what, I'm going to see if I do this. I'm going to see if I'm guilty of this. And all of us have the opportunity when something like I'm hoping to present now comes to us of, well, what will we do with that? What will we do individually? Will we receive it as at least being possible that we have not rightly understood and applied the proper context, covenant, and conditions of the Bible? Are we guilty of that? And if so, we repent, we turn, and, and we change those things, and, and we try to rightly divide um, Father's Word. And so that's what we're going to talk about for a few moments. This will be brief today. Um, so what are we doing? We'll be using a handful of verses only in the book of Isaiah to demonstrate what I have learned is a problem within how mainstream Christian doctrine approaches the Bible. Um, we've been taught to simply flip open our Bibles in a lot of different ways and quote a verse that seems applicable to a life circumstance that we have or that a, fr a friend is going through or I am supposed to teach next week and so I'm going to take this verse or this text and I'm going to 
give my commentary towards it and expound it however I do that. Um, And a lot of times, friends, we mishandle and we misappropriate and thereby we miss the entire purpose of what the text is saying. Um, Now, I realize uh, how dangerous this is. Um, And so knowing that, and this is very offensive to people, are you telling me I don't know the Bible? It's just like with the name of Yahweh. You know, a couple weeks back we did the series, does the name of God, the God of the Bible, does his name matter? And of course, that is, again, that's something you think I don't know who I'm talking to? You think I don't know God? And people set up this wall of offense of... I'm just telling you, a humble person hears these challenges like we have done in our household and so many dozens of other indi- other individuals in my life presently have received these, these corrections from the very word of Elohim itself. And we've just said, you know what? I've just been guilty. I've just been guilty of mishandling the word. I've not read it in, co- in context. I've not studied it through the lens of covenant. I've not read the prerequisites and conditions that go along with the covenantal promises of blessing. And so thereby, those of us who have read this and stepped back and allowed Holy Spirit to bring conviction towards the matter, we lay down our preconceived belief systems our doctrines that we said, I'm going to hold on to this till the day I die. This is truth. We lay them down and we say, Father, reassign your word in my heart. Help me to reevaluate what I believe and why. And so I want to humbly warn others to consider if they have been guilty of this as I was myself. And so many people, man, I just... My heart gets grieved at how strong Christians are. This is true, and I know it. Friend, if that's you, hold that tenderly. Hold it very carefully and allow someone else to speak the word of Elohim to you, friend. And most of all, most of all, allow it to speak for itself that must line up from cover to cover. And if it doesn't, sit down, camp out on something for a year to allow it to resolve itself. It takes time. It takes time. We'll get to that here at the end. But what I'm going to do now, I'm going to read, I don't know, 15 or so verses only from the book of Isaiah. And I will say this could take hours. I mean hours. We could spend episode after episode talking about this principle through Isaiah alone, or through Jeremiah. Absolutely sure thing through Psalms, through Proverbs, about verses during this, uh, in the middle of this grab-and-go approach to the Bible that, friends, Christianity has just misappropriated the text entirely by removing it from its context, removing the the covenantal demands and the conditions of who those blessings are even for. More importantly today, with the Isaiah text, we're just going to do something very simple. We're going to read a verse, or a couple verses. Generally, each text has at least two verses, sometimes three, and there are some that are single, to just make a point of like of asking a question. Okay, we've heard this verse. Is it true? Oh, yes and amen, brother. Okay, well, here's the next chapter. Is this true? No. No, that's not for us anymore. And we're just going to allow the word of Elohim to say, well, is it true or is it not? 
who does this apply to? Is that criteria met by me? Am I who this is speaking to or am I not? And my hope is to create a pattern of like, huh, if you don't study that way, that's who this is for. For those who say, who just are, are maybe postured to be convicted by the word itself to say, you know what? I don't know if I study the word of Elohim like that. I don't know if I study my Bible through the lens of context, covenant, and conditions. So let's just start reading some texts and allow it to just hopefully set the table of consideration that I'm proposing today. Um, And again, these are all Isaiah, okay? Chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Behold, Elohim is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For Yahweh is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. With joy you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. Yes and amen. How many services have we all been in? Or songs where someone's playing this this verse, these verses, and yes and amen. And oh yes, bless the Lord, right? God is my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Yes and amen. Is that true? You better believe it's true, brother. Yes. Most would most everyone would say, yes, that is applicable today to me. Okay? Chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of Yahweh's house will stand firm as head of the mountains and will be exalted above the hills. So all nations will flow to it this prophesied day. Then many peoples will go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of Elohim of Jacob. Then he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For Torah will go forth from Zion, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. So, okay, so let's just keep this so simple. Is this true? Is this prophesied age true? In Isaiah chapter 2, we just said Isaiah uh, chapter 12, oh, yes and amen. Bless the Lord, brother. Okay, Isaiah 2, the same prophet Isaiah speaking speaking the utterances of Yahweh Elohim. Elohim is saying there is a day that's to come that is not here yet of this new world, this new heaven and earth, and the Torah, Father's Torah, will go forth from that place. Huh, okay, moving on. Chapter 30, verse 18, Therefore Yahweh is longing to be gracious to you. Oh, Praise the Father. Yes. Amen. Yes. Thus he will be exalted, so he may have mercy on you. For Yahweh is an Elohim of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Yes and amen. All day long. You'll see that probably on little Facebook pictures. Bless the Lord. All who Blessed are all who wait on him. He's longing to be gracious to you. Okay. Yes. Amen. True. People would eat that up all day long. Now let's go way forward later into the end of the chapters of um, the book of Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14. If you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from Sabbath, Shabbat, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, who's talking here? Yahweh. And if you call Shabbat a delight, the holy day of Yahweh honorable, if you honor it, Sabbath, not going your own ways, not seeking your own pleasures, nor speaking your usual speech, then you will delight yourself in Yahweh, 
and I will let you ride over the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. Okay, we just said, chapter 30, verse 18, Yahweh's longing to be gracious to you. We would tell that to anyone all day long. Bless the Lord. Oh, and by the way, brother, blessed are all who wait for Yahweh. Yes, amen, amen. Okay, same prophet, later in his prophecy, hearing the oracles of Yahweh Elohim, to who? To his people, to his set-apart people. His Torah is going out from a future tense land where his people will dwell forever. And here, in chapter 58, we see this, this um, covenantal extension to those who will what? Honor the fourth commandment, to keep his Sabbath, to set apart what? He calls it what? The holy day of Yahweh. If you set it apart as honorable, if you delight, then if you do that, you will delight yourself in Yahweh. And you will ride over the heights of the earth. What does that even mean? I don't know. Sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? For I will feed you with the heritage of your father, Jacob, Yaakov. Okay, wait a minute. Is, is, our father, is our father Jacob? Oh, no, that's just for Israel. I'm not Jewish. And here we are again. Well, oh, okay, well, is this in chapter 30, verse 18 for the Jews? Of course not. That would be foolish thinking um, when we rightly look at the word. Chapter 43, verses 1, 2, and 3. But now, thus says Yahweh, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel. Okay, so we know who we're talking to. Okay, because if we're using that, I'm not Israel, oh, well, I kind of am now, but I don't do what they did and live how they lived. I don't live according to a law code now. I'm in the law of liberty in Jesus. I'm a Christian, even though there's no recollection, there's no um, reference of a Christian anything in the age to come. You are in Israel. You are as Israel or you are not in the picture. We have to keep that in mind. So in by reading this verse, we have to have, okay, here we are, context. Context. Who are we talking to? We're talking to people in covenant. And as we saw, the Sabbath blessing comes because of conditions. You mark his high holy day, his holy day, his holy consecrated day. And as we said in the last broadcast, how in the world are we holy, kadosh, as Yahweh himself is holy, kadosh? One way, Sabbath, mark it, keep it holy. And when these things happen, conditions are met, and thereby context is established, and blessing comes. So let's just get back to the text. But now, thus says Yahweh, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you through the rivers. They will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flame burn you. For I am Yahweh, your Elohim, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, friends, I have been in years past in numerous gatherings where this verse would be read and people are crying out and dancing and music's loud and people are reading this verse out loud. When you walk through the fire, you won't get burned. And, and what? Here we are. Covenantal promises. But really, we, we move through the conditions. 
Who are we? Okay, oh Israel, oh Israel, my people. Well, I'm not Israel. I'm a Christian in Jesus. Okay, well, so is this not for you? Oh, no, this is for me. We just sang that in the, in the praise gathering last week. Okay, well, then we need to know context, and we need to know covenant, and we need to understand conditions. Would you agree? Or, or, or again, can we do the grab-and-go approach to how we read and apply the Bible in its entirety? Chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, Yahweh's hand is not too short to save, yes and amen, nor is his ear too dull to hear, amen. Yes, let's talk about that, right? Let's make a song about that. Let's have a Bible study where we all sit and talk about how Yahweh's hand is not too short to save. Nobody's too far from him to reach, to rescue, to deliver, which is, of course, Yeshua's salvation. His ears aren't too dull to hear, yes and amen. You hear our cry, Father. Thank you, you hear us. Right? Yes. But let us keep reading to verse 2. But your iniquities, now this is Yahweh speaking, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your Elohim. Oh, what? Whoa, whoa, wait. Context, covenant, conditions. Your sins, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your Elohim. Oh, no. We have a problem. Your sins have hidden his face from you, from us. <laughs> well, what does that mean then? What, what? I thought that he hears. I thought that his hand's not too short to save or his ear too dull to hear me. Well, there's some conditions here that are off. There's some problems. There's some iniquity between you and I. I'm clean and holy and kadosh and you're profane. And this concludes in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 59, so that Yahweh's ear does not hear. Oh my goodness, whoa, whoa. Well, can we talk about that? Can we equally talk about that, friend, with all of the covenantal blessings and factual things that we love to talk about all the time? We need to. We've got to keep moving. Chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Do not remember former things, nor consider things of the past. Here I am, doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you not know about it? I will surely make a way in the desert, rivers in the wasteland. Again, countless meetings I've been. I'm almost 50. I've been in so many gatherings where I can just, I just remember. I don't remember specifics, who and where and when. Some I do. Rivers in the wasteland, make a way in the desert. Yes and amen. Let's pray that. Let's prophesy. Okay, yes and amen. Chapter 56, verses 1 and 2. Preserve justice, do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the Son of Man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Okay, here we are again. And yes, this is redundant. Every program is. What about this one? Same prophet, same prophecy, same Elohim speaking, thus saith the Lord. Same, same. But here we are with the grab-and-go approach to the Bible. We love chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. We do not talk about chapters 56, verses 1 and 2. It's fact. No one can argue this point with me. 
Christian doctrine promotes a grab-and-go principle at play when we study and read and, and talk about and study and sing songs about the Word, we take this one, we apply it. We take this one, and we move it over here. We don't talk about that one. We're not Jewish. And friends, there's a real problem with this grab-and-go approach that must be discussed for our own good so that we rightly divide the word of truth through context, covenant, and conditions. 57 verses 15, uh, verse 15 by itself. For thus says the high and exalted one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, yet also with a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite. Yes and amen. Contrite, brokenness, humility. Yahweh is there dwelling among us. Yes and amen. No one in Christianity would argue that. This, Isaiah 57, 15. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Okay. Chapter 66, 22 and 23. For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, will endure before me. It is a declaration of Yahweh. Yes and amen. Is that here yet? No. It is something that is coming. A new heaven, a new earth, a, a promise that is yet before us. The, the wonderful land that our, that our Hebrews uh, 11 um, saints have, have longed for. That is yet before them is also yet before us. A covenantal promise where the we already read the Torah is going to go forth. But this new heavens and new earth that's going to be made, Yahweh says this about it. So your descendants and your name will endure, and it will come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come down, come to bow down before me, says Yahweh. Okay, so there's Torah in the new heaven and the new earth, and there's Sabbath in the new heaven and new earth. And all I'm saying is, okay, we love Isaiah 57, 15. Can we talk about Isaiah 66, 22, and 23? And why is there Sabbath in new heavens and new earth, a new Jerusalem reality? Why is the Torah there? Why is Sabbath there and not here? Okay, that's what I'm proposing is a challenge to the grab-and-go mentality within Christianity. If we talk about verse 1 and we ignore verse 2, and maybe we'll read verse 3 if we feel like it applies to us. It's a consideration, friend, that we must have. So let's bring this to a conclusion. That is the entirety of our verses that we'll use. And again, we could have, we, I could have spent days compiling it, but this makes the point clear without being so drawn out. So here, there's no reason to bring forth a problem unless we talk about a solution, right? Some proposed remedies that I have personally seen change my personal entire view of how I handle the Bible. This has changed entirely in the last four years. Upended. Three years, maybe. Number one, and please listen to this. If, in fact, you're one who says, you know, I'm going to at least consider in humility that maybe I need to change Father, I mean, like, do that. This isn't about me and you, friend. This is about what we do and who we are and how we study and what we believe and why. Have I, Father, been guilty in any way of the grab-and-go approach to studying your word? Would be a very good question. But number one, we must practice reading and studying the word via context and covenantal conditions, not isolated verses or even chapters that fit our present doctrine and endorse what we already believe. That is not what the Bible is for. 
Number two, we must know the identity of those that prophecies were written about or unto. We must know the context. Who is this being spoken about? Who is this being spoken to? In what context is it within? Who are they? Is that me? (laughs) And does it apply to me? And how do I know? By study, study, study. It takes a lot of time. Read the entire written account and then, exclamation point, underline and bold, ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions of the word. Does that fit with this? Does that fit with this? Does that fit with this? As we're always saying, when Shaul Paul brought what the, the gospel to the, the post-Acts, or present in that case, whichever the place, where it depends where we read. When he wrote his letters, people like the Bereans said, you know what? We're listening to what you're saying. We're considering what you're presenting. It has got to line up with the law and the prophets. It has got to line up with the capital S scriptures, or it is a gospel message that is not true and does not fit the test of the law, the Torah, which is instruction, and the prophets. And the Bereans, friend, knew that. They were not checking with 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It did not exist. Men like the Bereans said, it has to line up with Jeremiah 31. It has to line up with Exodus chapter 4. It has to line up with Isaiah's prophecy, or we will not receive a new religion gospel. Man, I love, I love men like that. I know men like that now. I love it. Number three, we must filter what we read through the entirety of Scripture which is what I just said. (laughs) This requires much personal time and study. This will not happen in 30 minutes every couple days or so in the morning while you're eating breakfast. Do not simply assume that you already know or that whoever you may be listening to knows everything already. They may be wrong. I may be wrong. You may be wrong. We all will be, of course, in measure. Everything you hear and you read and you study, must be patiently filtered through the entire word from beginning to end. And friend, this I'm learning takes a lot of time. Number four, we must admit that we have been handed an improper way of handling the Bible correctly. It's just simple fact. Humility is a master requirement. It is, it is absolutely required to walk in humility. If you think, friend, that you already have it all figured out, if you know, if you know it, then friend, this just is not for you. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 no way to, to say that other than just kind of in a in a very factual way. If you've already got everything figured out, then friends, this isn't for you. Humility is required. If you think that you already understand the Bible perfectly, you're the best candidate for repentance. Moving on, we must face the fact that the Christianity that we have inherited has cherry-picked Bible verses that we want to apply to us and has abandoned the ones that we feel do not. It's just, there's no way around that. Now remember this in absolute finality and conclusion here today. Peter warned us of an unlearned and unstable men that will twist and mishandle the Scriptures. 
Friends, we have inherited a Christian doctrine that has done exactly what Peter warned us about. Even many who seem educated towards biblical truth have unknowingly run with the grab-and-go approach of incorrectly handling the word of Elohim. We have all been guilty, front and center. I would suggest that little is worse than errantly using the Bible to create a belief system. Now, why? Why would that be worse than, not, than neglecting it as a whole? Easy, because it's the Bible. It's the Bible. Look, Paul said it right there. Have you read Hebrews? Don't you know Galatians? Friend, it is worse for us to take truth and twist it and pervert it than to not know it at all. Because then it can masquerade as light, but it is not, it is not truth. It's not truth. It's just not. <laughs> we saw that in the garden lie, where one little tweak was made to a command, and now all of a sudden it didn't meet anything anymore. It had been profaned. It had been changed, altered. If the scriptures are not in proper context and in accordance with the entirety of scripture as a whole, it is mishandling. It is error. Friend, please consider what I'm saying. Context, covenant, conditions. A brief challenge to the grab-and-go approach to the Bible. Friend, just ask yourself, next time you study, be a little attentive and alert. Am I trying to just endorse a position I already have? Am I just trying to give myself a little a biblical pat on the back and confirm what I already believe? Or am I looking for truth? Because, friend, as we've been talking about in our household and with other brothers and sisters who are willing to talk about it, the Bible should be constantly revealing our error every time we look at it. Because what? We're looking in a mirror and we're seeing our depravity. We're seeing our need. We're seeing our lack. And most of all, we're seeing our dependence upon the Father to illuminate His wonderful written word. And so, friends, think about how you study the word of Elohim, won't you? Do you look through the lens of context, covenant, and conditions? I hope you do. And if you don't, it's okay. That's what repentance is for. Father is merciful and uh, kind towards us. Thankfully so. So all of us have a chance if we have hearts postured in humility. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for tuning back in. We will be back sometime momentarily. Thank you for watching. Amen.